0: Are, over the last month we've been going through a sermon series on the Lord's Prayer and we've been going line by line through the prayer that Jesus gave to his disciples. Um, and this is the prayer and we are, we are, we're getting to close to the bottom of it. So we're on give us this day our daily bread. Um, and this here is a prayer that is found both in the book of Matthew and Luke. In Luke, Jesus shares this prayer because his disciples want to know, how do we pray? Uh, But in Matthew, Jesus' prayer does not come from a question spoken in a private moment, but it's actually spoken on a mountain to a bunch of people. Um, And that's been known to that whole talk that he gives is called the Sermon on the Mount. And it's here that Jesus tells his disciples that they don't need to pray with lots of words like people from other nations do, but instead they can keep it short and to the point because God, their Father in heaven, knows exactly what they need before they even ask him. And it's going into this context in Matthew that we'll be focusing on the Lord's Prayer today. Last week we looked at Jesus' request for God's kingdom to come and his will to be accomplished on earth as it is in heaven. And today we're shifting from talking about high theological topics of the kingdom of heaven and the hallowing of God's name to talking about bread. So, And it's not even nine-grain whole wheat, Italian herbs and cheese, none of that. This is like your basic flour, water, yeast, bread. Um, but are there, is there anyone out there who's a fellow carb lover? Anybody like a good slice of bread? Yeah, we got a few. What's, what's some of the favorite kinds of bread that you guys like? White, yeah, keep it simple, keep it basic, keep it good. Anybody else? Pumpernickel, nice, nice, good stuff. Anyone? Flatbread with no yeast. Going, taking out the ingredient, but it's mixing it up. No, that's good, that's good. Bagels, there we go. I, I personally like pizza and cinnamon buns. Those are my favorite types of carbs. So... Um, and, yeah, but essentially whenever, for me, I, just, I love carbs. Whenever uh, I'm at dinner and there's dinner rolls on the table, you know, I, I'm, I'm all in. I, I definitely, I take the meat, I take the salad, but when that basket of buns comes by, me, I'm like Elisha, I want a double portion, right? So, and there's just something about a freshly made uh, loaf or bun that's just so delicious, but... You know what? Let's get back to this prayer before I get too distracted, and start daydreaming. So, so it's here in this prayer that Jesus appears to take a sharp 180. Uh, he's been talking about very big, spiritual, holy things, and now he appears to completely shift gears. He goes from petitioning God's help um, and or God's plan for his big, huge kingdom to come and have its roots here, which is it's it's. It's a huge request. But then he shifts to talking about just requesting that God deliver some bread. And this might seem out of place and seem disjointed. You know, what what does God's spiritual calling for his coming kingdom have anything to do with earthly things, right? What does the holy have with the profane? What what does flesh have with spirit? And yet Jesus' prayer calls us out of that. And his prayer mixes together both the heavenly and the earthly. Much like how he himself is both a man, but then from above, as John's Gospel says. So, to do a quick recap, so far in the prayer Jesus has revealed God as Father. He's also revealed him as holy, or holy distinct is how I like to think of that word. Holy apart, separate from. And he's also described him as king, because he has a kingdom. And Today we are going to see how God is giver. Jesus in his prayer is teaching us that God is generous. (laughs) So what this portion of the prayer starts with is a whole theme of focusing on God's generosity that continues on through the Sermon on the Mount. If we were to go on reading, we would see that the sermon isn't just a bunch of disconnected Points or topics, but it's all connected. It's all a cohesive web. And right after this prayer, Jesus says that we don't have to be anxious about what we eat or what food or clothing we need. Why? Because God knows exactly what we need before we ask him. This is then followed by the famous phrase that some of you might know, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and it will be open to you. And then finally, Jesus compares how earthly fathers know not to give their sons a stone when they ask for bread. And so then how much more will God then give his children out of his abundance? God is our father. He is a generous parent who is not distant, but he understands our situation. He understands where we are in life. And Jesus wants his disciples to have faith that God knows what we need, and so we don't have to be full of fear and apprehension about the future. We can trust him. In his request for bread, we see that Jesus is in tune with God. He knows that the Father is not stingy, he's not greedy, but instead he takes delight in giving to his children. When it comes to requesting bread, Jesus doesn't even, he doesn't even offer any bargaining. He doesn't say, God, if you do this, then I'll do this. Instead, rather, Jesus simply offers up his request with no strings attached. It seems as if he knows that God will not hold his performance against him when it comes to providing for his basic needs. God will not starve us for our transgressions. But there's a couple key words here that we haven't yet talked about, and that's, this, re- that, uh, that this request actually introduces, and it's the words us and our. So up to this point in Jesus' prayer, he hasn't really emphasized the communal, the, the non-individual nature of his prayer. If you blink, you've already missed it, because Jesus opens up with saying our Father, right? But then so far, then the prominent pronouns that are used is your, right? Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, and your will be done. But here, he doesn't say, give me my daily bread. Instead, he goes beyond the four walls of self, into the wide space of community, because humans are not meant to be alone, right? God created us for community. And so when Jesus offers up his prayer for bread, he doesn't simply do it for his own self, but he does it on behalf of those in his midst. He says, give us this day our daily bread. But beyond this, not only is this a prayer for the community, it's a prayer for the here and now. In using the words, this day, Jesus is asking God to act in this present moment, without delay. He is trusting that God will show up. Now, often in our lives, do we expect God to intervene in the present? I know for myself, when I pray, sometimes I use present tense words and it, that request God to act now, but do, I don't think my heart truly believes it. I, I can see God maybe working in the future, but do I actually believe he acts in the here and now? But Jesus' words encourage us to take a leap of faith and trust that God is working not just in some distant future, but in the present moment in this day. And what is Jesus asking for? Daily bread. It's nothing extravagant. He's not asking for a triple-decker burger with fries and a chocolate shake. It's, and, and that's not just because burgers are, aren't, or aren't kosher. Um, no. <laughs> Jesus is actually asking for one of the most staple foods of the day. Bread was and still is a base food across the world. And when I was living in North Africa, I remember trips to the bakery. Uh, Crates of freshly made loaves of bread were just piled into these huge wooden, wooden crates. And you could smell the bread even before you entered into the store. And as you entered, you were just greeted with the warmth of the oven and the warmth of the smiles of everyone in that bakery. It was a magical place. And... And the cost there of bread was so cheap. You would, you would spend a few bucks and you'd come with like bags of bread out of there. And, but there's something that's unique about the bread sold in North Africa and sold just in bakeries in general um, versus the bread we buy in our grocery stores. And it's the fact that it doesn't have preservatives. Um, and that's the same thing back then. They didn't have any preservatives in their bread. And so the bread that they had Really, would only you'd buy it, but it would be kind of for today, maybe for tomorrow. But by day three, it's becoming rock solid. Uh, it's 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 rock solid. It's it's basically a stone that even Jesus would have hard uh, hard time turning back into bread, right? Like it's it's rock hard. And so, is it any wonder that Jesus offers a prayer that includes a request for daily bread today? He knows that bread doesn't last. This is a daily request. And in fact, can any of you think of a story in the Old Testament where God provided daily bread for his people? Anyone? Manna, yes. So when God redeemed, when God saved his his people, Israel, out of slavery uh, from Egypt, he brought them into the wilderness, and they started complaining right away. But God provided for them food. Every day they would wake up, They'd open their door to the tent, and they'd find the ground covered in this bread that God had provided for them. And so Jesus is well aware that his listeners would have this story in mind as he's praying this prayer. And you could almost paraphrase the prayer as, Yahweh, just as you called your son, the nation of Israel, out of Egypt and provided bread for them in the desert, so too provide bread for your children today. Now, with the words daily bread, there's a little bit of a tran- trans- translational uh, side note that we have to go on because a number of current scholars today, they argue that that Greek word, daily, it's only used in here and in Luke and in one other place, and that's in another, in, in another Christian book, and nowhere else. So this is a word that nowhere else in the Greek language can you find. So that makes it very hard to translate. People... Uh, have a difficult time figuring out exactly how do we how do we how do we use this but what some a a lot of scholars that I've come across today what they say that it could be instead of daily bread is it could be give us this day tomorrow's bread or bread for the coming day and if this is the case this could be alluding to a couple things first we might ask ourselves where have I read a story of God giving people bread for tomorrow. And it's actually the exact same story that we were talking about. Um, On one day of the week, when God provided bread for his people in the wilderness, that day was the sixth day, because the next day was the Sabbath. It was a day of rest, a time to focus on God and trust him that he will provide. And so on the sixth day, God would actually give the people Double. He would he would say, go gather double of the bread for yourselves. Keep it so that you don't have to go out and work for the bread tomorrow and you can just rest. And so that And so that is that is what God did. He provided for them not just for today's bread, but also for the next day. And if Jesus really did say, give us this day tomorrow's bread, then perhaps what he is implying is that the true Sabbath, the true day of rest is coming. And his followers are being invited to not just pray for bread, but also pray for rest. And he writes, one of my favorite scholars, he, he, he says, the Greek is tricky, but Matthew's version seems to mean, give us today our bread for tomorrow, while Luke's understands it as give us each day our daily bread. Matthew, in line with Jesus' whole agenda, means give us here and now the bread of life which is promised for the great tomorrow. And this great tomorrow is, I'm going to skip that, is even more, it, it's its meant to allude to this feast, this banquet that's to come. And N.T. Wright pulls up this ch- uh, this chapter from Isaiah. He says, This is a book in the Old Testament, Isaiah the prophet, and in it, Isaiah is saying, therefore, a strong people will glorify you, God, cities of ruthless nations will revere you, for you have been a stronghold for the helpless, a stronghold for the poor in his distress, a refuge from the storm, a shade from the heat, for the breath of the ruthless is like a rainstorm against a wall, like heat in a dry land. You subdue the uproar of foreigners. Like heat from the shadow of a cloud, the song of the ruthless is silenced. Now the Lord of armies will prepare a lavish banquet for all peoples on this mountain, a banquet of aged wine, choice pieces with marrow, and refined aged wine. And on this mountain, he will destroy the covering which is over all peoples, the veil which is stretched over all nations. He will swallow up death for all time. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, He will remove the disgrace of his peoples from the earth, for the Lord has spoken. And on it will be said on that day, Behold, this is our God, for whom we have waited, that he might save us. This is the Lord, for whom we have waited. Let's rejoice and be glad in his salvation. As Nathan said in his first message of the series, when Jesus calls God Father, he is calling to mind the story of Exodus, the story of salvation. Just as God rescued his son Israel from slavery in Egypt, so too he will rescue his people from the veil of death. On Mount Zion, God's own meal, as it says there, it says that God will swallow up death for all time. And yet, while his portion is death, our portion is a feast, and it's a banquet. And... Here we see that God, we follow a God of generosity and abundance. Genesis 1 and 2 recount how God set up a world teeming with life and full of food for it to flourish. And so Jesus, in having compassion on the crowds that he sees, he is demonstrating this feast. We see later on in Matthew's gospel that Jesus sees a crowd is hungry, and he feeds them with just five loaves of bread and two fish. He feeds the multitude. And from that, it just it shows that he is stepping out into that message of new creation and into that message of generosity and abundance. And while this image of the future is filled with hope and light, we can't escape the present reality. While Jesus' prayer for God's provision can provide comfort, And direction it can also bring frustration and hurt because there's an elephant in the room here if God can rain down bread from heaven in the wilderness and multiply fish and loaves to feed multitudes why are there still people who hunger in this world why do families die and starve can't God intervene and while this is a massive elephant and I can't get rid of him. I don't know if anyone can, no matter what kind of decorative lamp or couch you wanna try to hide him behind. Because the reality is we live in a broken and hurting world. And if we believe God has the power to intervene today and knows the needs of his people, we are left with the question, why? Why don't you step in and make things right? And I don't have an answer. All I have are a few things that have helped me with wrestling with this reality. They haven't stopped the wrestling, but they have helped quiet my heart and allow me to place my trust in God. And the first thing is that God hears the cries of the hurting. As we learned in our series on Exodus, we actually read through this verse, we see that God sees the oppression He hears the outcry, and he is aware of the sufferings of his people, and so he has come down to rescue. God sees, he hears, and he is aware of the injustice and those who are hurting. And his response is not to leave, not to abandon us, but to come down. As Nathan reminded us a few weeks back, this prayer of Jesus flows out of the confidence and knowledge that God loves us and cares for us. God cares for his children, and he knows them. Secondly, God works with his people to bring rescue, to bring liberation. God does rescue, but often he doesn't intervene directly. But he partners with humans, with us, to act on behalf of him. With the story of Exodus God does not confront Pharaoh directly, but rather he selects Moses and Aaron to represent him before the king. It is through Moses and Aaron's obedience to their calling that God is able to redeem his people from their affliction. And if we see here at the start of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. We are called to give light and we, to let our light shine. And then later on, he says, give to him who asks you and do not turn away from him who wants to borrow from you. And then even later, he says, he assumes giving. He says, so when you give to the poor, do not sound a trumpet before you. Now, it's easy to think that when Jesus speaks, he is speaking to one unified crowd, a people from the same background and status. But based off of of all of these instructions in his In his message, we see that he is speaking to people from all backgrounds. He's speaking both to the wealthy, like Matthew the tax collector, and to the poor, like Peter the fisherman. Because in one breath, Jesus assumes his hearers are giving generously to the poor, and in the next, he assumes that they are starving and worrying about food and clothing. Could it be that give us today our daily bread was not a prayer intended to address the needs of the wealthy in the crowd, but rather a prayer intended to address the cry of the poor and the hungry. And what if the same is true for us today? What if we are called to pray this prayer, not for ourselves, but on behalf of our brothers and sisters in this city and across the world who hunger for their daily bread? And what if by praying corporately, For God to give our community daily bread, God is working in our own hearts to allow us to be the source of that bread for the hungry and the marginalized. What if the church's job is to find creative ways of empowering the hungry, like Boaz in the Old Testament, offering Ruth the dignity of working the edges of the field? What if our role goes beyond simply speaking the Lord's prayer to being God's answer to it? Jesus, the true bread from heaven, came down and was born not into a wealthy place, but born in a manger to a poor family who ended up being refugees in Egypt. Jesus fled from his home to a distant land. And Jesus no doubt knew hunger growing up. The the son of man has no place to lay his head. But like the widow who gave all she had, Jesus offered up all of himself for us all. And every week, we tend to gather around a sacred activity of communion where we get the chance to eat bread in remembrance of his body, which he gave over to death for us. In fact, when Paul recounts the Lord's Supper, he says, For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And notice how Jesus, through the writing of Paul, does not put a limit on this practice of communion. It's not capped off at just once a year. It's not capped off at just once a month or once a week. Perhaps Jesus intended that each day, as his followers prayed for and ate their daily bread, they were to make space to remember him. Maybe the line between heaven and earth, holy and profane, spirit and flesh, really is blurred. Perhaps the arrival of God's upside-down kingdom has more to do with praying for our daily bread than we can truly imagine. Let's pray. God, we thank you that, like Elijah said, you are a stronghold for the helpless, a stronghold for the poor in their distress, and a refuge from the storm. God, we thank you that you do provide for us. We thank you that you do see us. You know our situation you know where people are at in this world and you know those who are hurting. And so God, I pray that you would use us to be your light, to be your bread for those people. God, I ask that you would just bless this church with creativity for us to find ways of just, to, to bring about justice in this city and across the world. We thank you for the fact that you are creator and that you've given generously to us. And so we pray that we would be able to give of ourselves of our time our resources and of our creativity god we thank you for your sacrifice through your son and we just pray your blessing upon us as we go out into this week and so god i just close with give us our daily bread your name